And today, guys, what I wanted to talk to you about is in the scripture that we've been hearing a lot lately, and the Lord's really buried it on my heart this week. But Jesus said in Matthew 12, 25, a house divided will not stand. And that's been on my heart because a lot of times we think of a house divided will not stand. We're thinking it's kind of like this morning when, when I saw my good friend, the Compton girls, uh, Rose and Grace, and, and we come in and Brock, uh, Rose, or Grace's new husband, I'm trying to spot him, but I don't see him right now. They're not going to wave at me because I'm going to give them a hard time. Oh, they're sitting on the back row. You better be. But Brock and Grace, they came up, and, and man, I stuck my hand out, and we shook hands and, and just hugged and loved on each other. And I went up to Rose, and I stuck my hand out, and Rose goes like this. And, and boy, I thought, man, Satan's trying to divide us, you know. And if anybody knows us, me and Rose has got a joke that whenever she shakes my hand, that means she's going to come back and help us lead worship. And so she wants to be submissive to the Lord, but that's why she does that. But, but, but we always think about the divide between us. And we need to guard against division in the body. But we also need to guard most about division between us and God. Satan is working hard to divide you to keep you from trusting in God. Satan is working overtime to divide us as believers to keep us from trusting each other and God. And we need to guard against these things because as Jesus said... A house divided will not stand. Now, I'm not a Dallas Cowboy fan at all, but this kind of it works in this spot here today. Dallas has scored in the first five weeks of football, has scored uh, probably the most offensive points of any team. I think they were the most, the high scoring offense. And anyway, we all know that Dak Prescott broke his ankle. And so uh, he was leading passing the first five weeks until he broke his ankle. Well, then the sixth week, it really blew my mind. After last week, Dak was still leading in passing. That's how good he was doing. But if you watch the Dallas Cowboys play last week, they just fell apart. They fell apart because their leader, Dak, was divided away from them. His ankle was broken. He was taken away from the team. And the team just was horrible the other night. I don't even think they had hardly any yards in the game the other night. And that's what happens when we allow division in our relationships. And I know that was one that we can't help, but that was just an example of it. That how that we depend on each other, how that we depend on Christ, and we can't allow any division to come in amongst us. The other thing that hit my mind was when I was a youth pastor, we'd always take the kids across the street and, and divide up and play football on Sunday nights. And, and anyway, I'd always offer to quarterback both sides, but usually the boys wanted to have a team, and so I would play quarterback for the girls. Well, nine times out of ten, the girls beat the boys. And it was simply because the boys could never come unified. They were always divided. Hey, you weren't doing very good at quarterback. Let me be quarterback. Hey, give me the ball. Hey, do this. Hey, do that. Whereas when we played on the girls' side, we threw to who was open. We worked together and we played as a team. And so the vision is a big deal. And we may not think it's a big deal. But Jesus said a house divided will not stand. I'll never forget as I was in the 
working at Freeman, and I had a boss named Cliff Rigg that he was a pretty awesome guy, and I, I thank the world of him because he taught me just a lot of simple truths. And what Cliff told me one day about management, he said, Kent, because we had a big deal going on in the, at the hospital, and there's kind of a divided house on a situation. And he said to me, Kent, he goes, what do you do whenever you hit a big old hive of bees? And they bust out and all this hive's coming after you. What do you do? And I said, well, you run. And he goes, that's correct. But he goes, what do you do if one bee's pestering you? And I said, well, I kill it. And he goes, that's the same way as this uh, operating this deal. Whenever all these people are coming against you and are trying to bring you down, get them alone and work with them because you can do something. Otherwise, you're going to be running away the whole time. But he was teaching me how to divide or how to deal with division. He was teaching me how to keep the unity and how to work so because he knew how important the unity was even at the hospital. Unity is important in marriage. It's important in everything that we do. And a house divided, it will not stand very long. So today is uh, the church. I want to challenge us not to allow the enemy to divide us. And three things I want to talk about today is we must stay connected. We must expect God to move over us. And three, operate in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. So the first thing I want to say again is stay connected. We see here that, you know, in this scripture, what really got on my mind was when Jesus said the house divided will not stand, I wanted to go back and see what Jesus was talking about. And basically, these are the three things that Jesus was talking about. The enemy had come against Jesus and his disciples in Matthew 12, chapter 2. And let's just read that now and, 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 and just start in Matthew and just kind of go through that. But he said one Saturday on the day of rest, Jesus and his disciples were walking through a field of wheat. The disciples were hungry, so they plucked off some heads of grain and rubbed them in their hands to eat. But when some of the Pharisees saw what had happened, they said to him, Look, your disciples shouldn't have been harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Jesus responded, Haven't you ever read what King David and his men did when they were hungry? They entered the house of God and ate the sacred bread of God's presence, violating the law by eating bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the Torah that priests violated the rules of the Sabbath by carrying out their duties in the temple on that Saturday, and yet they are without blame? But I say to you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. If only you could learn the meaning of these words, I want compassion more than sacrifice, you wouldn't be condemned by you wouldn't be condemning my innocent disciples. For the Son of Man exercises his lordship over the Sabbath. Then Jesus left them and went into the synagogue, where he encountered a man who had an, an, an atrophied, or I guess a bad hand, I don't know, a paralyzed hand. The fault-finding Pharisees asked Jesus, "It is permissible to perform a work of healing on the Sabbath." When no one is supposed to work, they all ask him this question because they hope to accuse him of breaking the Jewish law. He answered them, if any of you had a lamb that fell into a ditch on the Sabbath, wouldn't you reach out your hand and lift it out? 
Isn't a man much more value, valuable than a lamb? So, of course, it's always proper to do miracles even on the Sabbath. Then he turned to the man and said, hold out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored exactly like the other. Immediately, the Pharisees went out and started to scheme about how they would do away with him. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he left uh, by another way. Massive crowds followed him from there, and he healed all that were sick. We're going to jump down to verse 22. Then a man was brought before Jesus who had a demon spirit that made him both blind and unable to speak. Jesus healed him instantly, and he could see and talk again. The crowds went wild and with amazement as they witnessed the miracle. And they kept saying to one another, could this man be the Messiah? But when the Pharisees overheard what the people were saying about the miracle, they said, he casts out demons by the power of Satan, the prince of demons. Now Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts and motives. So he confronted them by telling them this parable. Any kingdom that fights against itself will end up in ruins. And any family or community splintered by strife will fall apart. And that's where the King James says, a house divided will not stand. So what Jesus was saying here is all these instances, these actually three that I can see, these three events, Jesus was telling the church, the people of God, to stay connected. And that's my challenge to you guys today as a church, to those watching online or outside, that we need to stay connected inside, outside, and online However possible, we need to stay connected to the things of God. We see the enemy is trying to kill Christ. The enemy is trying to kill the church. The enemy is trying to kill the believer. In Matthew 2, look, your disciples shouldn't be harvesting the wheat on the Sabbath. If you guys realize what was going on there, I meant to bring in a, a piece of leaf. I thought maybe there, or wheat. I thought maybe there'd be something in the, the this little beautiful thing here, but... But basically, they reached along and grabbed a head of wheat out of the field. And they grabbed another head of wheat, and they just did this in their hands. I can remember doing that as a little kid. And as the wheat kernels spread out, they just popped them in the mouth. That's what they were doing. And the Pharisees responded that they were breaking the rules on the Sabbath. That they were doing the things of God. In other words, they were bringing in division. And we see that Jesus quickly put them in their place. And he quickly told them how it was. And that's what we need to do. And we see division in our house that we need to come against it and and not allow it to cause strife between God and us, between each other, and between our own families. But doesn't that sound like the enemy today? That they'll take something that's so piddly You know, isn't that in the news today or in our own lives that we will take the piddliest of things and cause division out of of that? And Jesus is reminding us not to be that way. Don't misrepresent people. Don't misrepresent each other. Because a house divided will not stand. The second thing is he said, not only you stay connected but you need to expect a miracle of God in your life. And that is valuable to us today because many of you came to church today needing a touch of God. 
Man, we've prayed for healing on people. We've lifted people that are going into surgery. We've lifted people that are sick. We need to expect the move of God in this body. We need to expect people to get saved, to get delivered, to get set free, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to expect people to thrive. And we see Satan, again, the enemy, trying to work again against that. When he challenged Jesus in Matthew 12, 11, it is permissible, is it permissible to perform a work of healing on the Sabbath when no one is supposed to work? So even the enemy attacked the, the move of God, the miracles on the Sabbath. He wanted to divide that away and keep it out of the church. And guys, that's why a lot of churches are sick and dying today because they have divided the power, the, the expectation of the Holy Spirit to move on our lives. We've divided it out and think God's a dead God. When they, or, or the response of Jesus here was, he said, it is proper to do miracles on the Sabbath. It is proper to expect a healing at church on Sunday mornings. It is proper to expect salvations. Again, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Again, deliverance. Again, renewing and refreshing. Uh, forgiveness. All these things that divide us, it's, a, it's expected on the Sabbath for them to be restored. It's proper to expect miracles today in the house. Jerome was an old theologian that really, he was one of the first ones that translated the Bible into Latin. And in his studies, he came across a Hebrew manuscript of Matthew 14. And he had this in his commentary. But it was talking about this man that came to Jesus. And this ought to pump you guys up. But he was talking about this man that came to Jesus that was needing that withered hand healed. That the Pharisees were saying that's not proper to do on the Sabbath. And he quoted this man as saying, I was the stonesman. I worked with my hands. And he said, Jesus, I beg you to heal me so that I don't have to shamefully beg for food anymore. Man, that just moved upon me that that was what the account that, that they say that was happening at that time. Here a guy that was a good worksman, a good mason, a good bricklayer, and something happened to his hand and he could work no more, and he went to Jesus for a miracle in his life, and the Pharisees said, oh no, you can't do that on Sundays. That's working. You can't do that in the house of God. But Jesus said, not only can I do that, I expect it, because that's why people come to me. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants us to expect him to move upon our lives today. Boy, if I don't get a man, I'm going to walk out of here today. You got it already. Thank you. Because this is what the world needs right now. And if believers aren't expecting, we've allowed Satan to divide us in our relationship with God. If we're not expecting God to move in our lives, there's something not right, and, and we need to get that changed. Jesus came to give us life and to give it abundantly. And Jesus was so, he is so cool, man, that, that after he made his stand there, the Bible says in verse 15, massive crowds followed him from there and he healed them all. Jesus said, I'll show you. 
And I don't think he was doing it in a decisive or mean way. But he said, I will heal everybody that comes to me and puts their faith in me and puts their trust in me. Jesus loves the stonesman, that masonry guy, and he loves each and every one of us today. When Tracy Overman comes to the Lord, Jesus is there. When Robert Compton comes to the Lord, Jesus is there. He wants to do a miracle in our lives, and he has and will do a miracle in our lives. So inside, outside, and online, did you come expecting to receive a move of God today? Did you come expecting God to save your family member or to maybe even save your own soul? Did you come expecting God to bring you deliverance because you're tired of this old sick life and you need refreshing? Did you come for renewing and and healing in the Holy Ghost? Thank you, Debbie Kittner. She said, I am. She's watching with us online today. It just popped up on my screen. We need a move of God and we need to stay connected to God the best way we can. Whether it's inside, outside, or online, we need to stay connected to our church. Be involved the best that we can. And then last, Jesus said, the church must depend on and operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we not only depend on it, in other words, we must expect God to move on our life, but we need to operate and take it out in that power and authority. We see the enemy in 1224 of Matthew that we read today. But when the Pharisees overheard what the people were saying about the miracle, they said he cast out demons by the power of Satan, the prince of demons. And I thought, isn't that just like the devil today? Man, he does the same thing. If there's a move of God in the church, most of the church will will say that's demonic. That's not right. God doesn't do that. Man, if there's a miracle, we'll stand back like, ooh. My little brother went to India. And he had somebody bring to him a baby that was dead. And it turned different colors. And and when they brought it to him, he was like, oh, my God, what do I do? And he allowed that power and authority to move through him. And they laid hands on that baby. And it came to life. Do we believe that today? But my little brother told me that, Kent, when I got back to States, I was so fired up. And I began to go to preach and evangelizing like I normally did. And he goes, anytime I shared that story, 90% of the churches pushed back on me. They said, that never happened. They pushed back. And if you guys remember, he spoke in the church and shared this testimony when he preached here once. And he shared it with Oakton, and he asked Oakton, do you believe that God still raises the dead? Do you believe in the power and authority of Christ Jesus? But here are the Pharisees, when he did this great miracle, when he did these great miracles, when he delivered the demon-possessed man and set him free, they said it's because of the power of Satan in him. Man, that's a scary place to to be. And that's when Jesus said, a kingdom that fights against itself will end up in ruin. A house divided will not stand in the King James. 
But he was saying to them, I'm the son of God. I'm the child of God. I'm going to call this point one five because I went over it earlier. But you've seen in the scripture that God desires compassion compared to the Old Testament sacrifice. And that compassion was Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus Christ because he loved us. God demonstrated his love for us that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and 8. For the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. God didn't want sacrifice anymore. He wanted compassion, mercy for us. That's why he sent Jesus. So we can never say that that God doesn't love us, God doesn't care for us, God doesn't want me healed, God this, God that, because he does. In verses 18 of Matthew 12, I skipped this part for a reason because I wanted to share it again now. But Jesus said to the, to the Pharisees and those in the room in Matthew 12, 18, to take a careful look at my servant, my chosen one, which he's talking about himself. I love him dearly and I find all my delight in him. I will breathe my spirit upon him and he will decree justice to the nations. What Jesus was doing is he was quoting from Isaiah, the prophecy of Isaiah. He was telling the people that, that hey, I, I'm not of Satan. I, I've come here to touch your lives. And he began to quote this passage of scripture that God had sent him. 19 says, he will not quarrel or be found yelling in public. Jesus didn't come to divide. He came to set us free. He won't brush aside the bruised and the broken. Are you bruised and broken today? He will not push you aside. You know, we use the scripture all the time when somebody passes away. In Psalms, it talks about that that God is near the brokenhearted. Jesus is near the brokenhearted. We also quote from Psalms 145 that he's not only with us, but he heals us, the brokenhearted. Jesus came for the bruised and the broken. And he will be gentle with the weak and the feeble until his victory releases justice. And the fame of his name will birth hope among the people. And that's what he said, why are you picking on my disciples? I've come to bring you life. Why are you picking on me? Why are you picking on the people of God? The truth of Jesus' message was that he came to fulfill the desire of God's heart, but he came to fill the desire of our heart. Just in this passage of Scripture, he says, I'm greater than the temple. He said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. He goes on to say, I have compassion more than sacrifice. So stop condemning my innocent disciples. 
For God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Do you not know that you, the believer, are God's temple now because of Jesus and Jesus' spirit resides in you? The Holy Ghost resides in you. That's why we can operate in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. That's why we can stand against the enemy. Yesterday I called Pastor Embar's son, Embar Jr., and we were talking back and forth, I guess texting more than anything, and, and it went on for hours. But right before I went to sleep, he texted me this. This is Embar Jr., our pastor at Carthage, son. He said, I'm praying for you always. These times are for our making rather than our breaking. It's difficult to see that during the storm. And boy, that stuck with me. I thought, man, that is so true that these times are for our making rather than our breaking. But it gets so difficult to see it because we listen to the enemy and it divides us from God. Or we listen to the people and it divides us from God. But this is a time to press into God and to thrive and become alive. Because God said in the last days, I'll pour out my Holy Spirit on my sons and daughters. They'll have dreams and visions and and a move of God upon their hearts. And it reminded me that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and authority that we can love people, that we can have a sound mind, and that we can just do what God has called us to do. God has given us the power, the supernatural love, and the self-control. What do you need to take control over today? What fears beat against us? Because we have power and authority over them. I want you to think about that a minute. What fears do we need to lay at Jesus' feet and operate in the power and authority that he's given us? And guys, it's in the simplest things. Just stay the course. Just do what the Bible says. That's the hard part, not to listen to everybody and everything else, but to listen to God and the Holy Spirit and the godly people in your life. Stay connected, either inside, outside, or online, but be connected to the body. Hey, Karen Taylor, she's connected today at home. But stay connected. Expect a powerful move of God's Holy Spirit when you go to prayer at home. When you're praying with friends at work. You just pray and know that God's going to intervene. That's expecting. Praying and realizing you don't have to carry the load anymore that Jesus is now carrying the load. Yeah, thank you. That's good. 
Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. So you have the power and authority to stay in there, to stay connected. You have the power and authority to expect miracles. And you have the power and authority to operate in the Holy Ghost, to save people, to pray for people, to deliver people, to set people free. Guys, I got a film that I showed my wife yesterday, and, and you won't, you know, it, it'll, but my buddy in Africa sent me a live video. They're doing a 21-day fast, and they're praying, and a demon manifested in this girl, and she's going all over the place, rolling around on the floor, and they took authority over it. Are we like most of the world to say, oh, there's not a Satan and there's for sure no demons and nobody can be demon-possessed? That's just a condition they have. Well, I believe people can be set free from these things. I believe that God's alive and real to operate in our, our lives and to move through us. We just need to be stepped fast and remember that God has compassion for us, mercy for us, and he loves us so much that he gave his son for us, and we just need to, to rest in that in the simplest things. Another simplest thing, example is Tuesday, November the 3rd. We have an opportunity to lead this nation towards unity with God in our voting Well, how do I know what God wants me to vote for? Look at the platforms of those running for office and who is united with what God believes and who is not. And that's how I'd tell you to do it. But through prayer, through fasting and obedience to God and his word, we'll know how to vote. And the simplest things. You say, I don't have a voice. Yes, you do. In the simplest things, you have a voice. We have a voice even in our own families, and we think that they're turned upside down. And we can just say, son or daughter, I love you, or wife, I need you, and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and touch your situation. That's taking power and authority. When you read the Word and the Word says something, and you say, Lord, I need that for my life, That's the simple ways to put it into practice. The simple ways to allow him to move. Jim shared last week about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that changed their nation. And I challenge you to go listen to the service last week. But they changed the direction of their nation by making a stand for God. They refused to bow to the king. And of course, the king threw them in the fire. But there's a, they were steadfast in the things of God. They expected a miracle. And there's a demonstration of his power. And the king looked down in there and he said, I thought we just threw three in there. But we did. Well, there's four. And they said, it must be the son of God. And the fire didn't touch him. We just need to continue being steadfast in the things of God. Staying connected to the church to the believers, staying connected to God, expecting miracles and a powerful move of God in our life and then walking 
in that power and authority and taking power and authority over our families and our friends and those that God puts in our, in our life. Last week, one of you texted me and it made my day that you'd went over to Pittsburgh and, and you went to go eat. And anyway, and you pulled in, this person pulled in, there was a man there that, that wasn't the same ethnic, uh, in other words, a different color. And, and anyway, uh, he had his hood up. He needed a jump start and he had his jumper cables hooked up and was waiting for somebody to jump start him. And this person went over and not only jump started him, but he could tell that the battery was no good. And, and so he gave him money to go get a new battery and to replace the battery. And anyway, the guy said to him, you must be a believer or, or you're going to heaven or something to that effect. But he knew that he was a believer. Why? Because the power and authority of God was demonstrated. This man was hopeless. He didn't have any money. And he was just needing a little touch, shot in the arm. And God had compassion on him because somebody stayed connected to the church, to God, that they expected God to move in their life and they walked out and they demonstrated that power and authority in their life in the simplest things. That's what will change this world. That's what will make this world a better place. That's what will cause revival in our lives. So we just need to stay the course. The Bible says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And we saw that in today's scripture through the harvesting of wheat, how he took something and misrepresented it, how the enemy misrepresented that. We saw how the, the, the enemy tried to find fault in healing and how the enemy attacked the power and authority of Jesus. When people do these things to us, when they make accusations, we need to continue to remember that it's from the enemy and love the sinner and hate the sin and begin to press into the things of God. Love that enemy, and we talked on that a few weeks ago, because you'll save their soul. But the scripture goes on to say that resist him, the enemy. Firm in your faith, know that the same kind of suffering you're being, being experiencing by your brotherhood throughout the world. In other words, he goes, expect this. Expect the world to attack you if you're following God, but resist it and stand firm. And Jesus is saying right there through the word of God that we have power and authority over these situations. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself therefore to God, then resist the devil and you'll be free. God will set you free. But the thing is, is we like to, to come against Satan without submitting to God. We need to learn to submit to God by staying connected Expecting him to move in your life and allowing him to demonstrate his power and authority in your life. And when we do that, there's going to be a move of God in our life. So when we know things that aren't right in our life, we get them out and stay connected to the Lord the best we can. Gary Dumb shared this word last week on Wednesday, and it's exactly what we're talking about today, but I just want to share it with you because it 
kind of puts the whole sermon in perspective, and then I'm going to have the, I want the praise team, just come on up if you want. But <clears throat> when Gary gets a word, he believes the Lord's speaking something to him. So uh, he writes this as if the Lord is speaking to us or to him. And, and again, he put in his letter, my son, but I'm going to change that to my people because I believe this is for Oakton today. But Oakton, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Division will tear apart what has been sown, what has been built, what has been secured. When my people who are called by my name allow division to enter in, then the whole will be destroyed or at best muted in their commission of sharing the gospel. A nation that is divided against itself will surely be torn apart and fall with a mighty crash. So work for unity. Unity under the foundation of my word with my spirit revelations of truth contained in that word. Unity that brings believers together under the banner of Jesus the Messiah. Unity that transcends, that allows, that, that incorporates the whole, not the part. Unity that is based on my word. For my kingdom, for if my kingdom or any kingdom is divided against itself, it will surely be ineffective in producing, ineffective in producing the results it was designed to produce. So work for unity, not division. Be empathetic to diverse opinions and seek common ground that will bring unity, not division. For that is what a disciple is called to do. And when I read that, you know, as I was working on this this week and preparing this week, that was the three things that I believe that the Lord was telling me as your pastor here today, that Satan attacked the the Sabbath, he attacked the move of God on the Sabbath, and he attacked the power and authority of the believers. And he's doing the same thing to us. And today that we need to stay connected to God and to each other the best that we can. Uh, that's why I don't like this COVID thing because it's dividing. COVID's not from God. And, and we don't want to accept that. We need to come against that in Jesus' name. And we do come against that in Jesus' name. But it divides. We need to stay connected the best way that we can. That's why we have the cameras up here today. You think I like being in front of a camera? It's very uncomfortable for me. But it's important that our people stay connected, so that's why we do it. But we need to stay connected the best that we can. Shane Messer family just said thank you and and popped in there or said something anyway. It popped up and went down too quick. But we need to stay connected. We need to expect a move of God in our lives. And we need to operate in the power authority of Jesus Christ. That's the altar call today. That's what the Lord put on my heart today. Um, be honest with you, what I wanted to preach today is we're making a, a big fuss over the elections, and we should. It's a big deal. But if we were to make that big a fuss over our staying connected and expecting God to move in our life and operating in the power and authority of God, we wouldn't be where we're at today. That's what I wanted to preach today in May next Sunday. But we're spending millions of dollars on this election. Spending all kinds of time and talents on the election. And I'm not saying it's bad. We need to 
to do vote and do these things. But if we spent that same kind of time on our relationship with the Lord, we wouldn't be having these discussions because God's Spirit would be moving across the land like never before. We see that in our own denomination. The Methodist was one of the fastest growing denominations throughout the world to move the Holy Spirit like you've never seen before. And they began to allow junk in and sin in and, and that divide started happening. And now the Methodist church is one of the fastest declining churches in the world. We closed 19 churches in Missouri last year. Five churches will probably be closed because of COVID or could be closed or in the process now in Missouri. I read another article that 13 churches are in the process of pulling out, and, but these churches are liberal churches, churches that don't agree the way you and I would believe, but they're fed up and they're pulling out, 13. People divided, it won't stand, it won't work together. You can't serve God and man. So we need to choose today whom we're going to serve, and I believe Oakton's chose to serve God. But we need to plan and stay connected. Don't allow COVID to tear us apart. Don't allow our own mouths to tear us apart. You know, I heard a good one on Joe Meadows the other day. You want to hear about it? Huh? How many want to hear about it? You want to hear a good one? He's a good man of God. Maybe that's the things we need to start saying. But when we hear scoop, we want to hell. yeah, tell me about it. When we need to, to build each other up. And we need to expect God to move. Man, God's moved on Oakton through COVID like he wouldn't believe. Man, we're seeing miracles every day. Why? Because you are operating in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. We are operating in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. So don't give in to that nagging voice. The Lord's speaking to me. A lot of you got a nagging voice. God isn't real. Is God real? I don't need to even go to church. I don't need to read my word. Is God even real? That's what Satan did with Adam and Eve to the point that God asked him to do one thing and Satan convinced them it wasn't real. We need to press in and not give in to them still small voices. Well, God can't save my son. Yes, he can. Well, God can't save my daughter, my grandpa, my aunt, whatever it may be. Yes, he can. Well, God can't deliver me of this. Yes, he can. Jesus is still on the throne. Amen? Let's stand to our feet today. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... Uh, that's the most important thing. That's the first step into what we're talking about and receiving the power and authority of Jesus Christ in your life and receiving those things that you need so desperately. But if you're here today and you just need to lay something at these altars today, Satan's been whispering in my ear and I need to lay these down. I want you to come and do that today. That's the simple things. But yet so many of us are scared to just walk up to these altars and just say, on bended knee, Lord, I need you. It's that simple. In the simplest things, the simplest casting your vote, you can make a change. As simple as you say a prayer, it makes a change. 
But you got to say it. You got to vote. Amen? Father, you've heard our hearts today. You see our hearts. You feel our hearts. And you have compassion on us. And Father, you say to the enemy, leave my people alone. And Father, I ask that your people today would hear your words and reach out and grab your hand and allow you to move in each and every situation in their lives. So Lord, however you're speaking across this body today, Lord, I ask that we reach out and respond and take hold and stay connected to you and expect you to move in our lives so that we can continue to operate in the power and authority that you've called us to operate in. In Jesus' name, Father, cause us to move. Amen.